Okay, well, let's get into our message quickly, if we could, this morning. Could we? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, if you'd join us there, please. Ephesians chapter 5. We're talking about love and respect in marriage. So, how many of you already have a better marriage? This is only the third. This is the only, only the third message. This is the last one, though, so... Thanks for waving those hands out there. And uh, today is a ladies' day. Okay, we're going to encourage you. You know what we're going to do? Uh, wives, we're going, to, we're going to invigorate your marriage with energy. Yes, we are. So get ready. You don't look very excited, excited about it. All right, let's go. I know go. you're excited about marriage. You young married people. All right, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, how many of you? How many of you know we all need help with our marriages? I mess up. You mess up. We all mess up. Uh, we all have conflicts, same conflicts over and over and over again for years, and it never changes. That's a problem because we're not resolving them, and uh, we're not understanding what Paul was talking about here, about women needing love, to feel loved by their husbands, and wives needing to, to submit or give honor to their husbands. We don't understand it. We don't identify with it. And that's why it's in the Word of God, to help us understand it and know it and live it and give it to them. So, some of you know I love Sven and Oli. Uh, Oli's ever-nagging wife, Lena, went with him to Israel. <clears throat> and while they, was in, they were in Israel, unfortunately, she had a heart attack, and Lena died. And the funeral director went to Oli and said, Oli, I have a couple of options for you. One is we can ship your wife's body home. It's going to cost $5,000, or she can have a burial right here in the Holy Land for only $500. And Oli thought about it for a little while, and he said to the funeral director, nope, I need you to ship her home. He said, but why? This is the Holy Land, and it would only be $500 compared to $5,000. And Dolly said, well, you know, many years ago, there was a man that lived here and died and rose again. <laughs> I just can't take that chance. <laughs> That's my Uncle Oli for you. See, he needed this series of messages, that's for sure. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse number 22. You wives must submit to your husband's leadership in the same way you submit to the Lord. For a husband is in charge of his wife in the same way Christ is in charge of his body, the church. And let, let me just stop and say, I've decided to read this from a different version because we've all read this many times from the New International or King James or New King James. So I'm reading it from the Living Bible just to give you a little different, uh, little different sense of the words and what the Apostle Paul was saying. So let me, let me start it over again. All right, You wives must submit to your husband's leadership in the same way you submit to the Lord. For a husband is in charge of his wife in the same way Christ is in charge of his body, the church. That's different, isn't it? He's in charge the same way the Lord is in charge. He gave his very life to take care of it and be its savior. 
So you wives must willingly obey your husbands in everything, just as the church obeys Christ. And you husbands, show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by baptism in God's word. 1 Peter 3, verse 6, uh, Peter says that Sarah, in Genesis, obeyed her husband and even called him master, thereby giving him the honor and respect he needed as a man. And in return, Abraham gave her the love and assurance that she needed that he loved her as much as she loved him. In the same way, Peter says, wives, be submissive to your husbands. And in the same way, husbands, respect, honor, and be considerate of your wives. It's a circle. But someone has to start it. Uh, last week we said men start it. And here's the six ways that you do that. The six body parts that you give to your wife. Your face, lips, ears, hand, eyes, and heart. So today you can hold your wife's hand as we reveal six ways that you spell love and the one thing that men fear the most. If you're not married, then get ready to help others and to maybe prepare for the future. In Esther chapter 1, verse 16 through 18, we learn from ancient history the one thing men have always feared the most, even big, strong, fighting men, are not as impervious to being hurt as you may think. You think that because he's bigger than you, he can take any punishment or correction or verbal abuse that you throw at him. Uh, but even knights and marines can be wounded on the inside. One big man was stunned by his wife's attack as he repeated her words to her. She said to him, you hate me? And she said, when I scream I hate you, you know I don't mean it. You are six foot nine and 260 pounds, and for goodness sake, I do that because you can take it. Well, the great King Xerxes in Esther chapter 1, the Persian king who was ruling over 127 provinces from India to Africa, he was giving a big banquet for everybody to celebrate their victories. And Queen Vashti also threw a banquet for just the women. Well, on the seventh day of this party, it was a long party, the seventh day of their party, the wine was flowing. And the king commanded to bring the queen before him so she could wear her royal crown to display her beauty because, verse 7 says, she was so lovely to look at. The New King James Version says, she was beautiful to behold. The king's servants went to get her, but she refused to come. She's his wife, she's his queen, and she will not come. The servants went back and told the king, verse 12, the king became furious and burned with anger. So he went to his wise advisors so that he wouldn't just make a rash decision and because his pride was wounded. The Bible calls these wise men, men who understood the times and were closest to the king. So we want you to understand this thing about men. You know, it was true back then, but it's still true today. It's true in Gillet. It's true in Pound. If you're there watching us at Pound, it's true at home. If you're watching us at home, same thing is true about men and, and the truth is, women have a difficult time understanding this. So listen carefully. Give me your ears, okay? So uh, you, can, you can hear this. Esther chapter 1, starting with verse number 16. I just want to read this for you. You can see what happened. Where did you go? When Munikin replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong. Not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. 
For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Median women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. Then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all this vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. You see, it was true in 500 B.C., and nothing's really changed. It's still true today. The one thing that, that men fear is that their wives will disrespect them, will dishonor them, just maybe not just like Queen Vashti, because most of you here aren't queens. I know you're the queen of your home, and, and that's nice, but... There will be no end to disrespect and disrecord. So how do we understand this? I want you just to imagine just for a moment that former President Trump's wife did this. Let's just say she said, I'm not going out in front of the cameras with you today. I'm not going out on the stage with you today. What would have happened? Uh, I don't know what President Trump's response would have been. Uh... You know, I got a feeling, I have some thoughts about what it might have been, but I guess we're never going to know, and that's a good thing. But uh, President Trump's wife was like Vashti. She was a very beautiful woman. She wore beautiful clothing. She was a beautiful person to look at. Im imagine if she said, no, I'm not standing in public with you and others staring at me today. I'm not your trophy. Besides, you've been drinking and you're on your own. I'm not your property. I have my rights. In fact, I'm starting my own women's movement today. What do you think would have happened? Uh, again, I don't know what would happen in their house for sure, but I have a feeling that a bunch of women would have shown up in the streets with protest signs saying, down with men. Well, maybe not that, but carrying protest signs out there for the women's movement. You know what I'm saying? Because she did it, and she took that stand. There's going to be a lot of other women. I know none of you would have done that, but there's going to be a lot of women that are going to stand up and protest similarly. And, and that's what these men feared, that all men all over the land, women were going to respond this way to their husband, and men were going to be dishonored. Okay, so right or wrong, right or wrong, that is the way men feel. Men are afraid of being disrespected by their wives. Men yearn inside for the respect and honor from their wives, not a doormat respect that's forced, but a loving and voluntary honor and respect like we give our soldiers today. In a national survey on, on relationships, men were asked this. In the middle of a conflict with my wife, I am more likely to be feeling, number one, my wife doesn't respect me right now, or number two, my wife doesn't love me right now. 81% said, number one, that my wife doesn't respect me right now. Even if 
uh, even if we know our wives love us, we still need to feel respect. I remembered when I was dating, that was a few years ago, and, uh, you know, my, my wife always showed me honor and respect like, I mean, I was her Superman. That's, at least that's the way I felt about it. But, you know, one of the things that really won me over is she would make me these huge Dagwood sandwiches. I mean, she would make me my lunch for the next day and piled on with, guys, the good stuff. I mean, piled on with pastrami, beef, ham, cheese. Uh, I don't remember any lettuce in there. It was all protein. It was all, and I would go to work, and I'd take out these big sandwiches around the table with the other guys I was working with, and they would see these big sandwiches, and they would say, wow, how do you rate? You know, I, they were drooling over my sandwiches, and I'm like, yeah, I'm the man. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's six major values that Dr. Egrich says spell respect to men. They form an acronym for the word CHAIRS. Each letter represents something that men value that makes them feel honored and loved. Just like we talked last week of the word couple for women. Well, why chairs? Because in terms of a man's self-image, he needs to feel like he's in the driver's seat, the chair, the main chair, the, with 51% leadership. He's the chairman of your board. He wants to take res the responsibility of driving, wanting to be the, the, the chair is not about superiority or domination. Some men will try to force that, and that's wrong, but most men will not. What it will do is make him the energizer bunny in your relationship. So he'll hop around and serve and want to wanna help you. How many could use an energizer bunny in your house? Come on, be honest about it. Uh, number one, here we go. Number one, C is for conquest. And again, it's not about conquering wives. It's not about making you their floor mat, okay? It's about what God commanded them to do in the beginning and something God as our creator put within us. So Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15, here's what it says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care, take care of it. And another version says to guard it. Another version says to keep it. See, he gave man, he put within man this desire to work. And I know that there are, some men are lazy, okay? But most men are not. And they're ready and wanting to go to work and do the work because God's put that inside of us. Uh, to work, to provide, to guard. You know, maybe you don't know this, but when two men meet each other and they start talking, one of the first questions that they ask each other is, what do you do for work? I, I guarantee you, guys, it's true, isn't it? It's one of the first things we ask. We want to know, what do you do for work? Why do we do that? Well, because work has, such a, has a big impact upon who we are. It's part of our self-esteem. What you do, the work that you do, gives you your self-esteem. Just like, ladies, your relationships give you self-esteem. Men, it's our work that gives us our self-esteem. So um, men identify themselves by their work. God has put this within us. That's what we're talking about. Providing, working, guarding, keeping. So last Sunday, I was out there and talking with Wally Shaw. 
And Wally was telling me about the little guns that he makes. Wally, is Wally here this morning? I don't see him. But he was telling me about he makes little wooden guns for little boys. When boys are first, when boys are little, uh, like my grandson, he wants to get them started hunting, I guess. I mean, it's part of this whole conquest thing. So he gives them their little gun. Well, here's the thing. In case mom says he can't have a gun, or if the president one day comes along and says he can't have a gun, you know what little boys will do? They will shape their peanut butter sandwich into a gun. <laughs> do you know why? Because this whole conquest thing is inside of them. Not that all boys uh, hunt or want to be in the military, but it's part of wanting to protect and guard and be in the military as well. Uh, to provide and to guard. Conquest is what that's all about. Protecting, guarding. They, they'll build a fort in your living room. Moms, you know it's true when your boys were little. Your living room, my living room did, turned into a mess and chairs would be set up, blankets would be over the top, and they got a fort. And they're going to protect that fort. That is conquest inside of us. His need for honor is through conquest. So the H, number two, the H is for hierarchy. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body. That's called responsibility. Jesus doesn't wield it like a weapon, and neither do most men. Those who do need tough love to change. Um, my dad has had life insurance his whole life. since. Well, since you've had kids, you've had life insurance and that's called hierarchy, taking care, wanting to provide for your family so that if you're not there, you have a way to provide for them. That's part of hierarchy. Wanting to buy a home to build equity so you have something, you know, in case you're not around. So something to provide for your family, that's part of hierarchy as well. So I used to tell my wife, when you're driving down the road, a deer runs out in front of you, hit the deer. Um, and, and I just ingrained that kind of in her mind. What was I doing? I was doing this hierarchy thing, protecting my wife and my family. So, you know, her day came. <laughs> Not too far from Gillette here. In the evening, sure enough, a deer ran out in front of her. First thought that came to her mind was, hit the deer. When she told me that, I'm like, yes. What did she do? Went in a ditch. <laughs> well, you know, I, the idea was better to hit a deer at 60 miles an hour than a culvert or a tree. If you don't know what's in the ditch, hit the deer. Well, she safely, safely went in the ditch, and it gave Ron Lambrick some business here in town pulling her out, so it wasn't really all that bad. But the same is true with when men try to teach their wives how to drive a car on the ice. It's part of the same thing inside of us for hierarchy. He just wants to feel he's the head as Jesus is the head, and he's guiding you. He's the chair, protecting you. Number three is, for the A, is authority. If you want him to feel respect from you, tell him he has 51% authority in your marriage and home. 51% authority is also 51% responsibility and accountability to God. 
Verse 25, and you husbands show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by baptism in God's word. God has called him to do something similar to how Jesus cleansed us and made us holy. He needs your cooperation. We know that you are capable of leading, and the older you get, the more you are tempted to mother everybody, including your husband. But there's three words you need to remember. Don't do it. To him, it's disrespect. So instead, God called him to lead you into holiness and purity. So help him. Lean on him. Tell him you appreciate his strength and leadership. Love him leading you to church, leading in prayer, teaching your children about authority. I can see Stacy's really listening to you, John. <laughs> Number four is insight, okay? 1 Timothy 2.14 says this, And Adam was not the one deceived. Are you reading this with me? And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Okay, this is not, I'm not using this verse to get down on you women. Because Adam obviously blew it. You see that here? Adam blew it. Here's what it's saying to us. Adam had the insight. But he didn't do it. It's like, Adam, what were you thinking? Okay, so why didn't he? He had the insight. He knew what was wrong. Why didn't he stop her from taking of the fruit? We don't know, but I know Dave has some ideas about this. Talk to Dave after church. Uh, why not? Well, there's a couple of different things. Let me just ask a couple questions. Was she letting him lead? Did she give him 51% authority in their home? Was he so infatuated by her beauty that he was weak to tell her no? Well, if there are young Marys, that's very possible. When did she decide that she knew what was best? I don't know. I mean, the questions are just to probe a little bit, for us to think about it a little bit. There's obviously, something wasn't right here, but the, the point is he had the insight. He had the insight. He had the insight. Tell your neighbor, he had the insight. All right, thank you, ladies. So Genesis 3.17, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree. Did you get that? Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, don't eat of it. Cursed is the ground. From now on, men are going to live by the sweat of their brow. Accept, appreciate, and encourage him to give you his insights. That's the point. Uh, one wife stopped at her husband's place of work. And she went in, and she hadn't uh, told him she was coming. And so it was an office, important job that he had. And she had to wait for him in the waiting room. And, uh, and as she was doing that, she noticed people moving in the workplace. And she noticed that uh, everybody seemed to really respect her husband. Uh, she noticed that the co-workers all respected him. She noticed even his boss showed respect toward him. She noticed that his attractive secretary showed respect for him. She noticed that an older man in the office who had been there longer than he had been there 
also showed him respect. And it just hit her how she had been disrespecting him at home. But when he's at work, he has respect from others. She didn't stay long. She went out to her car and just started to cry. Suddenly it hit her that here he had insight, wisdom for, for their home and for their marriage, but she wasn't accepting it, encouraging it. She had been showing him disrespect. Mary and Martha, remember the story? Mary and Martha are having a dinner. Jesus is there. They invite Jesus in. Jesus is teaching. Lord, Martha says, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus' words, say it with me, Martha, Martha. Don't you love those words? Martha, Martha. I think he said it. Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Who had the insight? The man. Listen, Jesus didn't need his divinity to figure this one out. He knew it as a man. He had the insight for it. You have intuition, but you need to recognize he has insights. The fifth thing, R, is relationship. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The Living Bible says a companion. Men are energized by shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. He needs and he wants a companion. There was a couple that was married for seven years, and they were having some huge fights. She'd be in the kitchen. He'd be in the living room. And he'd say, come out here and sit by me. She thought, oh, he wants to talk. So she'd go in there and sit by him and start talking. He'd say, no, I don't want to talk. I just want you to watch this National Geographic show with me. It's really cool. And she says, I don't have time to just sit there. I have to clean the kitchen, wash the clothes, and do the laundry, and help with the homework. And it created conflict. Men can get together and climb up different trees and sit there for hours and not even talk a word to each other and have a great time. They can go fishing in a boat, speak less than a thousand words all day, and they've had a great day. All they want is shoulder-to-shoulder relationship. Okay, last one, number six, is sexuality. Appreciate his desire for sexual intimacy with you. So somebody said the devil will do everything he can to bring two people together sexually before they are married and everything he can to keep them apart after they're married. And let me just add, especially after 20 or 30 years, uh, my wife and I are headed for our 40th year. I don't know how that happened. But, but appreciate his, his desire for sexual intimacy with you because to him it unites you together. In his mind, it's a union together in his mind. Just as you need release for what's inside of you through talking, To feel loved. And when he refuses to listen to you, how do you feel? Unloved. Just like that, he needs sexual intimacy to feel emotionally close to you. And when you refuse, he feels unloved. So understand two important biological facts. Here they are. Number one, he he is sexually stimulated by his eyes. Uh, That's why when you're getting out of the shower, he comes into the bathroom. 
And uh, that's why when he cuts out of the shower, you tell him to quit dripping on the floor and watch what he's doing. <laughs> Number two, he needs sexual release as you need emotional release. It's biological. Uh, he's not a pervert. Would you get that into your minds? He's not a pervert because he wants sexual intimacy with you. He needs to feel close to you. Remember, you needed him for kids. And some of you, you need him for kids. But guess what? He needs you for emotional intimacy, to feel close. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 2, Apostle Paul's words. Look at this. He says, but since there's so much immorality, each man should have his own wife. Verse 3, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. So you know what this is? Uh, this is anti-immorality words. This is anti-affair words. This is pro-intimacy revelation from the Holy Spirit, your creator who made men this way. So it's a good thing. Listen to this wife's letter. She said, I had become so busy with life, kids, and everything that I had forsaken my husband in this area and left him vulnerable to attack. She, another woman, began to give him what he was craving. He was willing to give up everything, our marriage, family, business, reputation, even his relationship with the Lord, just to continue feeling the respect and admiration that he was receiving from her. Well, after he came back home, she tried this respect test on him, and he immediately responded positively. She wrote, a dose of respect beats a dose of Viagra any day. So here's the respect test, okay? I'm gonna, of course, if you're sitting next to your husband, now he knows about it, so you have to kind of wait a while. But this is the respect test. Do some thinking about what you respect about your man. Really think about it, maybe even make a list what do you respect about him as a man? And then wait till he's not busy, and then go to him and say these words. It's on your notes there. It's in the U version on the notes. I was thinking about you today and several things that I respect about you, and I just want you to know I respect you. Then walk away and see what he does. One wife did this, and immediately he said, wait a minute, come back here. What things... What things do you respect about me? You see, he wanted to know. They all want to know what it is you respect about them. Guess what? This man took his wife out to dinner. There's a good reason right there for you to learn the respect test and do it. Uh, his first reaction was to serve her. It wasn't about domineering. wasn't about controlling the things that you fear. He wanted to serve her because he felt respect coming from her. Chairs, you need to feel, he needs to feel conquest, hierarchy, authority, insight, relationships, and sexual acceptance from you. You need to feel couple. Remember last week, you haven't seen it, it's on the website, you can watch it. Closeness, openness, understanding, peacemaking, loyalty, and esteem. Those two things, chairs and couple, I promise you, will energize your marriage. 
They will give new life to your marriage. They will give new life to your man. They will energize your man. They will energize your wife. It'll make marriage fun again if you've lost the fun of it. Let's stand together. I want to pray for you wives because this message was especially for wives here today. I want to pray for wives first and then for men and for marriages. Lord, I just pray for every wife here, every prospective wife here, every woman who may, is going to be a wife one day. Lord, that you'd help them to see the insights here from your word about love and respect. And even if they don't believe some of the things we've just told them about, that you, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, would impress upon their hearts what it is they need to do, what they can do to show their husband that they love him, to show them the honor and respect that they have. And Lord, I pray for wives who are struggling because they need tough love for their marriage, that indeed there is an abusive relationship in the marriage, or the husband is domineering over his wife and controlling of her. Now, Lord, in those instances, I pray that you would show them the tough love principle of bringing consequences, Lord, into the marriage that can help change the marriage so that love and respect, again, can flow naturally and normally. I pray for every man here, every husband here, every man who's going to be a husband. Lord, I pray that you would give them the, these insights about their wives and about women, Lord, that what they need more than anything else is to feel that we love them as much as they love us. And Lord, that we'd be willing to do what you did, to lay down our lives as a sacrifice, to give of ourselves, to show and demonstrate that love to our wives so that it's never ever in question, Lord, do we love them? There's, there's never a doubt, there's never a question. But they know immediately because of the way that we serve them, honor them, respect them, because wives need respect too. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray this morning, I pray for singles that are here today. Lord, that you would lead them and that you would guide them as some of them are seeking maybe for that partner, that mate. And God, that you would give them the insights that they need today. And, and I pray for those that aren't married here today, God, that they can take a hold, grab a hold of some of these thoughts and share this wisdom and insight from your word with others that are married that are struggling. So God, we can help bring healing into those relationships in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. Let us go from this place, Holy Spirit, reliant on you because we all need the Holy Spirit's help. Every man here needs the Holy Spirit's help to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Every wife here needs the Holy Spirit's help to give honor and respect to their husbands. Let us go from here, Lord, and revive our marriages and help revive other marriages in Jesus' name. Amen.